Hello and welcome to Walk the Cinema Podcast. Today we have a guest in the show, and we're going to be talking about Dancer in the Dark. But first, a word from our sponsor. So, yeah, we have a guest. Hello. Howdy, howdy. Uh, so tell us about you and where our listeners can follow you and what you do. Yeah, so on the side, I like to watch a lot of movies, obviously. I'm a chemist by day, then by night I watch movies. That is my my entire life. Um, you can find me at Nico Spico on YouTube. I'm sure there'll be a link somewhere. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, within the last two years, I've gotten super into movies and started pretty much trying to watch one every single day. It's a pretty tough ambition, but I'm moderately successful at it. So I've... I've had a lot of fun just kind of dissecting films and realizing like why I actually like them instead of like oh that kept me entertained but more so like why is that entertained me so that's what I've been doing for the last two years and I've made a few videos here and there so it's been pretty fun that sounds great and yeah you have videos on YouTube so we're obviously going to link those and your letterboxd and your twitter of course so you can go follow him there and today you picked Dancer in the Dark so we're going to put the burden of explaining it on you. So for a little bit of an intro, Dancer in the Dark is a film from 2000. It's made by the combo of controversial Danish director Lars von Trier and Icelandic musician Bjork. I love and hate Lars. I just plain out love Bjork. <laughs> I listen to most of her music. This film was made during practically the peak of her career. The plot is essentially Selma, who is played by Bjork, is a factory worker that's going blind and trying to save money to get surgery for her son so that she did, or he does not have a similar path. And she likes musicals a lot for some reason. Some background information that's probably needed is it's considered a Dogma 95 film, kind of, which is just like a pretentious type of filmmaking made by Lars and Vinterberg. They wrote a manifesto, and I wrote down some of the key points here that I should probably illustrate beforehand. Yeah, so go in, ahead. So it must be shot on location, so there's no sets. The camera must be handheld, which they break it a few times in here for the musical numbers. Yeah, for the musicals. Mm-hmm. And then the director cannot be credited, which is kind of stupid. We all know who made this movie. And it must be in 35 <laughs> millimeter. So that's that's essentially the gist of it. I, I personally think this is one of Laura's best movies. How did y'all feel about it? You couldn't have picked a harder movie, really. Yeah, I agree. It was really hard to like figure out if I liked this movie or not. <laughs> it's just really, really sad. <laughs> I don't know if it's too sad. It's sad. It's, it, it, it kind of feels like an anti-musical. Yeah, that's what where I've a regular been musical will be mm-hmm. funny and entertaining and makes sense, I guess. And this is just anti all of that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I feel. It, it feels like kind of a counter to every type of musical. Well, like, they even, like, hit it on the head a little bit when she says, well, nothing bad ever happens in a musical at some point, and this movie is just yeah. everything bad that can possibly happen in a musical. <laughs> and the Jeff character mentions that musicals, they just break and then death sing and singing for no reason, and obviously she does that a couple times. Yeah. And so they, some... they reference themselves. Yeah. some reason, he's, like, a really weird character, too. That, he's one of those weird, written, weirdly uh, written characters in this film. He's just, like, always there for her, but he's also, like, kind of written as a creeper. It's, I don't know, he's, he's a mystery to me in this movie. 
I didn't really get the creeper part, but I do think that he's very like desperate. Yeah, in I mean, a way. Yeah, it's, I I just thought it like kind of gave off a creepy vibe because he's like waiting for her after work every day, and he's like super early, yeah. like waiting like two hours before she gets off, just like oh I can't wait to take her home or something like that, and drive her then just leave and then do that all again tomorrow. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I, I we don't think, really know why he does that besides wanting to date her. Yeah, there's a. Uh, so I I get what you mean by him yeah. being creepy, but yeah, there's there's a lot I of think that's pretty good important. characters in here. Like I really like Bill's character because he is he's one of the funniest written characters. He's just like the biggest coward I've ever seen on on a movie. Yeah, his character really just frustrates me so much because <laughs> um, you know I feel like at the core he's kind of like the root of all her issues kind of you know or at least like the big ones that end up mattering at the end yeah i mean he's he's just the biggest coward um i i think it's the greatest irony that like he's begging a blind woman to shoot him because he can't live with what he's done but like what he's done is like what's killed bjork inside of like oh god this is this is all i've worked for and then it's what inevitably ends to what happens to her towards the end of the film. Like he's just, he's just such a funny character to be in this movie. And he's just one of the worst, the worst and most cowardly characters I've ever seen. I mean, at the part where she ends up shooting him, um, I was like laughing through that whole scene. Cause I was just like the ridiculousness of, of him yeah. begging a blind woman to shoot him and she can't see. So she's missing. She's missing yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that's, that's the midpoint scene for me. Up until then, I think it's the hardest to tell if the movie's good or not. Because the handheld is very off-putting for a little bit. Yeah. And you you mentioned 35mm, but I think that was digital handheld. Yeah, it, it looked is. not great. Uh, yep, I'm pretty sure it is digital. It, it broke a few rules. They, in fact, break rules all the time in these movies. And then at the end of their movie... They have to write somewhere every time they broke it, so they never even follow their own manifesto all the way through. It's it's just super pretentious, but yeah, I I see what yeah, you're it saying. Is. It's just it it almost feels like a super amateur movie until I think that that point where it kind of starts to swing into all these um these actions where we start we get the scene where um Bjork shoots uh, shoots um Bill. That's, I think, when everything's put into motion and this movie kind of turns around. That first 40 minutes is kind of hard to get through with how amateur it feels. Yeah, and the the point where she shoots him kind of makes up for those 40 minutes and it, it makes sense that those 40 minutes exist building up to this point. But before that, you don't know why stuff is happening. And it doesn't look great. No. <laughs> Yeah, not at but all. But they, they use the static camera for the musical elements of it, which, you know, looks better. And the transitions are pretty good in this. Mm-hmm. But the overall editing can be really off-putting at times. Very. Yeah, the um, the musical numbers, I don't know which one specifically, but what this movie is famous for is they used about 100 cameras for a few of those scenes. So that's why it just, like, quickly cuts... As anytime they're like about to do a dance move, it like cuts away from it because it's to me, it looks like it's like not trying to be like what a musical is like, again, it's trying to counter what a musical is. So it's like 
it's got all this ni- nice uh, choreography, but it's also just cutting like right when it happens every time. It's they yeah. Just, there's a lot of cameras. The yeah. cameras are everywhere. They film them from up, from the side. They're everywhere. They cut between them, and you kind of can't really see the dance. It gets lost. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you guys have a favorite musical number from this? I definitely have one. I like the counting down the 107. God, you picked the morbid mm. one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that one's pretty good. I like the um, the one she does with Jeff uh, on the train track. He can't, mm-hmm. he can't but like I think that's part of it. Yeah, know? it is because it's yeah. not really trying to be a good musical from the music standpoint. Yeah, the um, the train one got an Oscar nomination. It's probably I I'd say it sounds the best. The the guy singer is not Jeff in that. It's um it's the lead singer of Radiohead. And I didn't know that till I looked it up today, actually. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, it's Tom York. And I was yeah. like, wait, what? I thought that was Bill <laughs> or uh or um Jeff or whatever. Jeff. <laughs> but yeah, I really like the factory one. That's probably my favorite. I I just because that's like how I kind of feel at work anytime. Like I just like throw stuff around and just like hit the desk like because I also have like a music background I used to play drums all the time and that's just like a drummer's dream is is exactly that that musical number (laughs) you're just a man of many hobbies (laughs) yep that is for sure but I I really love that um the 107 steps I think it's called because like She's just like getting in bed with the prisoners and they're all smiling and looks so happy as she's just walking into her death like that. It is so good. Yeah, that final scene is crushing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think the movie wasn't completely sold to me until it ended. (laughs) Because the final scene of the she sings because she's happy for her son. And at that point, she doesn't even care anymore is what I get from it. Yeah, I mean, to me, once the glasses are handed to her, and her friends, mm-hmm. her friends, like, your son doesn't need these anymore, essentially. He's going to get the surgery. It To me, it just looked like she kind of had a, not like a smile on her face, but she was content with what was about to happen. And she knew what was going to happen to her, but she knew that she did the right thing and that her son, everything she worked towards actually is going to happen. Yeah, I think like for us, we kind of sat in silence for the last part of it, like from probably the part where she rejects the the new lawyer because mm-hmm. she found out it was the money that she used for her son's mm-hmm. surgery until the end we were just like dead silent staring at the screen like it was so captivating those last yeah. few scenes i think the whole movie was captivating really i, I was never bored by it I, I think some people say it's dull to get through because of the length which is not even that long, but yeah, it's a little over two hours. It's not too bad. Yeah, it's not. It's not too long, and some some people say it's dull and boring, but I never got that. Even though I I didn't know yet if I liked it or not, that didn't make it any less captivating to me personally. Yeah. But I ended up loving it at the end. It's really just a roller coaster. Yeah, thankfully I've watched a lot of Lars movies, so I kind of know what I'm getting myself into. And older Lars is a little more ambitious. I think new Lars is kind of just like, I'm just going to show you shocking shocking stuff and hope people get mad and talk about me. He, he kind of seems desperate. I hate his new Yeah, he seems, he seems like a... He's very controversial now. I think there's a couple of Nazi stuff that came up yeah. with him recently. 
<laughs> yep, he got banned from Can for a while. That was he. He <laughs> just like brought it on himself too. If you watch the interview, it's so sad to watch him just dig this hole for no reason. Um, apparently, also uh, Bjork kind of accused him of sexual harassment during this movie too, saying that he was handsy yeah. and he tried to like. He who said he was going to climb into her room at night during one of the days of recording. And a bunch of just like vulgar stuff from him, and he's he's definitely just a scumbag. But he has some good some good gems to his name at least. I I really like Dogville. That's another good movie he has. But yeah, he's yeah. That's probably the next one in our watch list. It's gonna be Dogville. Yeah, I watched that in a few parts because that is a long movie, and it is not. I wouldn't say dull, but it is extremely slow. <laughs> I I watched it over like a week in episodes. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, I saw the the thing about um Bjork accusing him of that and it just kind of like feels even worse cuz like I know some of his other movies are very like sexual in nature. Very. So it kind of like adds to the <laughs> uh to the fact that he seems like he's kind of a creep. But Yeah. I completely agree. He is he is a ginormous creep. Um you can tell from my favorite movie from him is either this or Antichrist. Antichrist is definitely a harder watch than this, just for like a physical reason, more so than like this one's just like, why would I want to watch this again? It's so sad. I don't want to be so sad. I, I need happy thoughts. The other movie is just like, I need to look away. I need to look away. Okay, why am I watching this? I need to turn this off. But yeah, yeah. He's, with, he's a- with this movie, I felt like. I saw a lot of people talking about like if they didn't like the movie, they said it was because it was too melodramatic. And it is. I feel like I kind of agreed with <laughs> that, it. That's the point. Well, yeah, but I mean, like even in the beginning part, I was kind of like, oh, this seems like too much is yeah, happening. That's the beginning is really melodramatic. And then you adapt and you start figuring out that being melodramatic is kind of the point of it. Yeah. Because it's, not trying to be good from a classical standpoint it's very innovative and it's its own thing and as he said it it follows the rules that him and Vinterberg made so it's not trying to be a hollywood movie or a movie that's for everyone Mm -hmm. yeah i'd I'd definitely say this is one of the most unique movies because i mean i can't think of like a really depressing i would even know if i'd call this a musical Cause like it's like, it, there's not a musical number for f- like forty minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I noticed like I, that too. Cause I was I was kind of shocked because I thought it was a musical, and then we didn't get one like a musical number until like like you said forty minutes in, and it's it's you know, but it's the, weird. The musical bits turn out to be the best parts at times. Not the music itself, but just what he accomplishes with it, the meaning of the songs and the transitions that they portray. It's her daydreams, pretty much. Every time she daydreams, you get to a song. Yeah. I um, Yeah, and it really fits. I thought it was really funny when they brought out the tap dancer at the trial. <laughs> I, I don't know why. <laughs> I, I burst it out in laughter when like, they were like, and now we bring out something novi and, and he just comes out and it's just this little man he's just like i don't know yeah, who that I is like, <laughs> i was like how do they how do they know that this is one man novi yeah, like yeah, there's no saying, other there's one person with that full name in well, the entire the, I, universe. I think he was a real person 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I meant to look that up because I was watching this with a friend, and they're like, "Is that like a real person or something?" And I, I it's, said, it's a I assume that not. Existed with their name. There's a person from Czechoslovakia that had that name and was a musical actor. Oh. oh. But it definitely wasn't the actor in the film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's either a really dark reference that no one's gonna really know, or it just <laughs> doesn't mean anything. Just a coincidence. Yeah, did, did any of the performances kind of bother you at the start of the movie where you were just kind of like put off from how everyone was acting and the editing definitely didn't really compliment it because it kind of bothered me the first time I watched it where I was like, this is just so, I feel so amateur the entire time. That's what I keep saying, but it just really gives you that interpretation when you're first watching it. Yeah, I felt like um, I'd never seen Bjork act before. Um. So, like, her way of acting kind of threw me off for a little while. But, um, you know, as you watch the movie, you kind of get get used to her and, like, her character, I guess. And, I again, I did some, like, reading about it. And um, I think Lars, like, described the way that she acts as more of, like, feeling rather than acting. Yeah. Like, she, she, I mean, I know she's, like, you know, she's an artistic type of person, so I felt like this movie was probably, like, really suited for her. He really wanted her to be in this movie, too. I think he pursued her to be in it. Yeah, I, she was at the peak of her career. Um, this was probably when she made all my favorite albums, was that 2000s area. She has a lot of good music. She, like, makes, like, kind of, it's very different. It's off-putting to a lot of people. Like, when I play it in the car, they're just like, this is, like... This is so unique because it's unlike anything I've heard. But yeah, I think this is the only time she's really acted. But she's also going to be in the new Robert Eggers movie, um, which is kind of weird. I don't think she's acted in like 20 years or maybe I'm, I'm wrong on that. But yeah, she's coming back, I guess. That's good. Robert Eggers is also an up and coming director. Maybe it will turn out to be like Lars. Yeah, my um, yeah, I know a friend. You already that... used William Dafoe, so. <laughs> yeah, I love him, too. I had a friend that got a, a screening to the Northmen somehow and he, he wasn't allowed to say anything about it and I, and I asked him about it and he was just like it's pretty good and I, was, I was like yeah I believe it I believe it I was like I don't know how you got a screening of that so early but uh, I'll take your word on it yeah it's just this this movie definitely just puts you in a mood where after you finish it you just kind of have to sit there for a sec and just kind of okay just breathe in a little bit. Okay, let's let's get back to like real life. Yeah, I definitely felt that at the end because, like, like I said, I kind of felt like it was melodramatic, especially at the point where she shoots Bill. Up until that point, I was kind of like, I get the criticism, um, but then you know that ending scene where she's about to be hanged, and you know, it's it's gut wrenching to watch her cry for her son like over and over again until her friend like reassures her that he's gonna get the um the surgery and this movie almost got me i almost started crying at the end, but i didn't <laughs> i held See, it together it's definitely a movie for people that have to be patient because you mm -hmm. can't just jump in and from the beginning be super into it i yeah. feel like you gotta adapt because for until she killed bill that was very much not knowing if I like it or not. And then afterwards, it was like, yeah, this is great. And then the ending scene really sealed it for me. Yeah, it's 
It's definitely an emotional gut punch at the end. I, I do like how they don't have any instrumentation to the music at the very end when she just kind of starts singing. It's, it's like pretty quiet in the background for the most part, and they just cut it in the middle of it and just drop her down. Uh, yeah. It really kind of hits where like you, you kind of know as like this isn't like the other songs that something else is about to happen pretty quickly. But yeah, I just... Yeah, what she, she mentions happens in other musicals where you know it's the last song yep. and you don't want it to be the last song, but eventually the last one has to come. Yeah. And just, he always feels different. It never feels like the other one. Yeah. Did y'all enjoy the music by chance? Like, did you enjoy like, like, would you ever like just add it to your Spotify playlist or something? I have a few, of the, <laughs> I have a few of the songs added admittingly. I definitely wouldn't. <laughs> I, I think the music works for the film because it's not, it's trying to be kind of anti-musical and breaking those laws. But as music on my phone, I don't think I could tolerate it. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like I I knew about Bjork before this, obviously. Yeah. I knew her music a little bit, but, like, the biggest thing I knew about her was um, that stalker that she had. Yep. So I knew, I knew all about that, like, <laughs> crazy, that crazy story. That one album. The which yeah. album? The album that he did oh, the, yeah, the video yeah. to. Yeah, he, he had her, like, music playing on in his <laughs> farewell video. <laughs> god mercy yeah i i definitely really enjoy this this music more so than i should <laughs> but i've heard a lot of um i've heard an argument saying um like as you just said like the music fits the movie because it's kind of like the anti-musical and it's not like what you've ever heard of i've heard criticism that people are like well why doesn't she sing songs like an american musical because all she's talking about is like the american musical she likes and all these songs are definitely not what it would be in an American musical. But I, I agree with your thought that it makes sense that it's her type of music. It's just like dork songs. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would definitely like in my my fake uh, little scale, I'd give it like around probably like an eight or a nine, probably about a nine out of ten if I was to be a, a betting man. I, I felt I had to give it a ten. It'd be, it'd be wrong not to because it's just so unique. Nice. That... I, I felt like, yeah, it, it instantly became something I want to watch again, which is actually the opposite of what people usually say after finishing this. I don't know. When they usually the next don't want to watch, watch it watch ever it. again. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the next time I'll ever watch this movie. It's going to have to be a few years. <laughs> yeah, I, I gave it a, a tentative seven just because I'm, I'm not sure I'm like 100% sold on it, but... For sure, the the ending left a lasting impression on me. No, I agree. It's a, it's a hard sell. And the first viewing is not enough for me personally. Yeah, I agree. Though I don't yeah. know if I'd ever want to watch it again. It's kind of like, um, if you've ever seen the movie Cold War, that one's also one that like really mm -hmm. gut-punched me and I loved it, but I could not re-watch it anytime soon. Yeah, that's, that's me. I watched that like... <laughs> Twice in the same week because of you. As I watched it, I was like, you got to watch this. And then you just cried. And yeah. oh, I cried dude. for like 30 minutes after that movie. Yeah. Don't don't get me started. I'm, I'm the biggest crier in, a, in any movie. Oh, it doesn't matter if, if it's like really fake too, where like, um, like everything's really cheap, but I'm, I'm still going to have some tears in my eyes for it. 
But um, I definitely yeah. I'd put this movie in like for for me. I really think Insondees is like that for me. That Denis Villeneuve movie. It's like a two and a half hour uh, French Canadian movie that's just super super depressing for almost the entirety. And I recently rewatched it, and I was just like, "Ah, oh, why'd I do that? I gotta think about this again. This is sad. <laughs> I want to be happy." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, this movie definitely felt like I had to go watch TikToks to make myself feel a little bit better. I just didn't want to do anything afterwards. I just want to lay down and absorb it. Have to. It's something I had to think about, really. Yeah, I. It's not I, something you just put on the background. That's for I, sure. I got up and did dishes and just tried to not think about life, and I just started aggressively cleaning the apartment, just hoping I'd forget <laughs> about it. Yeah, it's it's definitely hard, and it's hard, but I recommend it to yeah. anyone listening that hasn't seen it, even though we spoiled everything. <laughs> yeah, I, what's your um? What other Lars movies have you seen? None. Yeah, none. none. This is Dang. the first one. Yeah, we kind of avoided him. Yeah, I mean, that's because not... of you know his reputation. <laughs> but I definitely wanted to watch this, and I want to watch Dogville, and maybe the House of Jack build. But mm-hmm. the rest, I'm probably gonna just skip over. Yeah, um, my favorites are probably Moncalia, Antichrist, and Dogville, and then this um, Nymphomaniac sucks. Uh, both of those are just horrid. Uh, the House of yeah, Jack build. Heard anyone say that was good? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, nobody likes it. The House of Jacksonville, no. um, people, some people like it. Like, the people that do like it are the people that hate Lars, and the people that hate it are the people that like him. I think because um, people say it's kind of like a, a critique of his own movies, so he's kind of making fun of his own movies in a way. It's just, it's definitely bananas, and I think it's just shocking to be shocking. There's a bunch of stuff they show that's just... There's there's no reason for it besides like hey here's something shocking look away you'll remember me like it's it's so frustrating yeah <laughs> the, I feel like there's a lot of shock value in his films that's and a lot of people say this one is for manipulative reasons but I I don't know I didn't feel manipulated with with the Bjork performance being so. I don't know, honest. Yeah, I feel like she's the one, she's the, she's the element that makes it feel like it's not exploiting, like, sadness. Mm-hmm. It's just as much her movie as it is Lars. Yeah. I agree, yeah. It, I don't know, like, how much of the creative freedom she had with this, but I feel like she wouldn't have done the movie unless she had the freedom. Yeah, I agree. She doesn't seem like the type that would, you know... Sacrifice art. Yeah, sacrifice, yeah, sacrifice her art for somebody else's vision i guess yeah especially when she hasn't been in many movies that definitely is a key point in thinking well she probably did this because she thinks it's going to be a pretty good art piece yeah and i feel like her performance was pretty good and like her her character in and of itself is just kind of so pure and you you see like throughout the movie she makes friends with literally everybody everyone loves her automatically pretty much (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's... even the the people that work at the jail kind of just like her and they're sad when she yeah yeah i thought that was on death row. i thought that was weird that that um that guard just like they didn't show anything and just instantly like loved her like the guard was just like i have a daughter and then like okay i'm now your best friend <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i kind of liked it it was kind of like 
you know, it showed, I don't know, humanity, I guess, mm -hmm. was kind of like my, my thinking. I mean, her character was kind of needed for the ending. So, I mean, he had to put her in there somehow. Yeah, it definitely added an extra punch seeing like somebody like another person like deeply care for her even though like she knew literally nothing about her besides like he or she had a son so <laughs> but i definitely like the addition of the character maybe maybe a little better uh writing could have helped actually me believe like oh she would be best friends with her <laughs> yeah i kind of felt like sometimes the writing had some stuff left to be desired because i guess like my criticism kind of halfway through the movie or at least up until the point where she was put in jail um is she's doing all this for her son but we never really see their relationship mm -hmm. ever like he's in he's in the beginning part a little bit and we see them interact then but it's you know what you would think a mom and her almost teenage son would interact with kind of like he's kind of indifferent i guess um yeah we um we only really see her like get mad at him <laughs> we only yeah exactly see her, like slap him and then like ask him questions at the dinner table in like a really hostile manner <laughs> we don't get too much for the song yeah exactly so it's kind of like i don't know if it would make it a better movie for me to have that interaction but i feel like her accepting that she's gonna die so the son can have the money for the operation is more than enough to show how yeah. much he cares. Yeah, I, I get that. But I'm just like, you know, maybe it would add a little bit more to the story. I don't know. I feel like its flaws make it great sometimes. If it was less flawed, it'd feel too Hollywood, maybe. Too American and maybe wouldn't work. Yeah, Because there's mean... everything about it doesn't want to work. But then it does when you combine everything. So... <laughs> If you change anything, you can mess it up really bad. I wouldn't touch anything about it. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely onto something when it comes to, like, it could be too Hollywood because, yeah, the flaws do kind of make it this movie. Like, again, like, to say it the sixth time or something, it feels so amateur for so long in this movie. Not until, like, a musical number really happens. It feels like an amateur, like, director of the movie just from how it looks. Like there's, I remember yeah, like there's, digital handheld is always yeah. gonna be amateur because that's what amateurs were doing in thousand. They were grabbing their Canon cameras and filming their buddies. Yeah, I mean they just um, they had some weird edits at the beginning too. Where I remember like Yorga just sitting at the table, and talking to her son, and it just like quickly cut like right after right after like a sentence, it just quickly cut and like her face is in like a different spot or something. And there's just, like, little stuff like that all, like, kind of sprinkled out through the first half. But, like, it smooths out during the rest of the movie, I feel like. Not not a lot of huge problems with the editing later in the film. Yeah, the first half is the worst edit. It's the worst shot. But your eyes also get used to it. You get used to the handheld movements that are really jarring in the beginning. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, so uh, if no one has anything else to add... Y'all should, uh, should check out just a few more of Lars. Not probably all of them. You, you probably shouldn't give them that much time of your day. <laughs> just, yeah, I just think enough. We'll, we'll definitely watch some of it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, the, um, the house that Jack builds is definitely, for me, like 
that line of of when he's like, okay, it's really obvious what he's doing now. Nymphomaniac's just kind of like that, but the House of Jack builds definitely the one that crosses the line. I think for me. Well, I, I'm not familiar with that one, but <laughs> that's his latest one. I think. Yeah, it's just it's about a serial killer, and he mm-hmm. just like has like these stages or something. It's I think they're called like incidents or something, and they're chapters of like stuff that happens to a serial killer and. It, of course, he's just like the most screwed up serial killer that just does stuff for fun, just perfect for no. Lars. And he also like just explains a bunch of stuff. Like he leaves like no interpretation in that movie. But I'll I'll let y'all watch that movie and develop some sort of opinion to it. <laughs> All right, maybe we'll be back with an episode on the House of Jack built. Oh mercy! But <laughs> until next time, subscribe to Nika Reviews on YouTube. And to us, too, if you don't mind that. And we'll see you next week.